Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Our listeners can save 10% off of all Ticket King's already low prices on Packers tickets by using the code PT10 when they order at theticketking.com. Offer expires August 31st. Again, that is PT10. That's the code you want to enter at checkout to get 10% off your Packers tickets. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Locked On NHL. He also writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, uh, let's hear your voice. Give it a spin. Let's see Take it for a test drive. Test drive. One, two, one, two. All right. Uh, Gil is uh, under the weather. Uh, he has COVID. Thankfully, I'm not in the same room with him. We're recording over Zoom. But um, that's why uh, the voice is going to sound a little bit different than what you're used, used to. And Gil told me before we started recording that any bogus predictions he makes this week <laughs> He's going to blame on COVID brain. That's his, that's his official excuse. Uh, <laughs> not sure what the official excuse is for Zedarius Smith, who's been running his mouth all week about how mean his former teammates in Green Bay are uh, because they wouldn't ask him how his back was doing and how excited he is to get, the, to, get to play them twice a year, uh, a la Brett Favre. I don't know, man. He's starting to sound a lot like Martellus Bennett, a lot like Greg Jennings. Just uh, some sour grapes, if you ask me. Um, I my my big thing with the Zadarius thing, I, I appreciate that none of the members of the Packers organization are adding any fuel to the fire leading up to the game. Uh, if we can take some of the wind out of his sails, and you know, maybe emphasize to him that, like, look, man, you're the only one who's mad here. We're just doing our jobs. Uh, maybe that will uh, deflate him a little bit. But the thing that sticks out to me is that. You know, he's he's griping about his former teammates. You know, it's it's not necessarily the organization, it's the teammates. You know, why did why why weren't they uh nicer to me? Why didn't they vote me team captain? All that stuff. And I'm just going, dude, <laughs> you know what? The the people that you are um trashing and egging on and and uh, riling up right now, they're gonna be on the field with you this weekend. You are uh, maybe going to get a face full of something you don't want. Uh, that's my two cents. <laughs> well, it's a good thing for him. This game's on artificial turf rather than grass. But yeah, no, all, all joking aside, I give the Packers full credit for not taking the bait and starting to get involved in a war of words before the game even starts. There's enough on the line uh, this week. You got a, a coach in Minnesota making his NFL debut. You, mm-hmm. you got... Chandon Sullivan, also a former Packer, uh, going up there for the Vikings. 
Uh, division rivalry, probably the team that the Packers uh, are concerned about the most within the division on the road, opening day. Uh, so many different aspects of this game that are going to be interesting. So to not take the bait and not add fuel to the fire that Zadarius Smith is trying yes. to stoke, I think is very wise and very professional of the Packers. Well, let's turn our attention. Uh, before we get to anything uh, roster related, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of Packers topics. All right, let's 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 talk about the Green Bay Packers. And, and we spent all last week talking about the front office and how they responded in the off season. And, you know, it has been quite a long time. Uh, what is it now? Eight months since we've seen the green Bay Packers, the actual green Bay Packers on the field. And I've got, a, I got a lot of questions that I'd like to see answered, but a couple things stuck out to me um, over the course of this week when I was looking at some of the uh, coverage from the fine media members around the Green Bay, uh, <coughs> we had, um, so the first uh, great article I saw, this was written by Cassidy Hill uh, for PackersNews.com, and it was a series of quotes with various uh, Packers DBs talking about the first time we played the Vikings last year, obviously the second Vikings game. I don't think there's too much you can take away from that because they didn't have a quarterback. And so was, while it was fun to trounce the Vikings, uh, the the whole team, the, the Minnesota team just was not playing very hard because they knew they were about to get blown out. And um, I forget who even started. Uh, Sean Mannion. That's who it was. Sean Mannion. Uh, you know, no insult to Sean, but that was a horrific performance. And uh, I don't think there's just about anything we can take away from that game. But obviously, you think back to the previous game in November, where uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and uh, Kirk Cousins shredded the Packers defense. It was absolutely disgusting. And the, the Packers offense put up 31 points, and it wasn't enough. So Justin Jefferson had eight receptions for 169 yards and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen had another eight receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. What did the Packers defense do wrong? Well, they know exactly what they did wrong. And this is what kind of excites me is I, I, I will tell you, I, I get a little tired of hearing the coaches talk about what uh, their game plan is and and uh, you know, how they want to approach the game because what really matters is the coaches who are on the field. And that is the players, uh, their head knowledge and their plan. So I'm just going to read a couple of these quotes uh, that that kind of got me a little bit juiced up for, yeah, these guys actually do know what went wrong and they have a plan for stopping it this time. So talking to uh, largely the cornerbacks here uh, and the safeties, but you get just repeated emphasis that these guys did a very poor job of communicating with each other in that game that uh, that it really was just death by a thousand Packers mistakes rather than uh, the Vikings really uh, just having this elite talent. And obviously, yeah, the elite talent showed up, but the the defense was quick to. Uh, take ownership. So Rasul Douglas said, we had a lot of opportunities to win the game. I had one on a comeback route 
Darnell Savage dropped two picks. We remember that. Yeah. He said, we didn't as a defense communicate. There was a couple of plays where Justin Jefferson ran a route and both the safety and a corner went on Thielen and Justin Jefferson was wide open. They didn't communicate and tell each other who was guarding who. It's little stuff like that that you can't do. Uh, another, another one. This is still Rasul Douglas talking. Thielen scored. It was supposed to be a certain coverage where we were supposed to be outside in and Kevin King got caught inside. Thielen ran it out and scored. So little stuff where we didn't communicate well on our calls and how we were going to play this stuff. So we all watched the tape and we said we can't make these mistakes again. So I, I other good uh, quotes in here uh, from some of the other uh, defenders, Devondra Campbell, but I felt like Rasul Douglas, who really has stepped up as a major leader in this locker room, I liked the way he was taking ownership of mistakes that that back end had made. And you better believe that they've been preparing for this all summer long. So um, I think they're going to do a good job. It'll obviously be nice to have Jair out there as well. Um, and man, I'm just excited. Uh, the, the other article that I wanted to um, touch on, uh, Ryan Wood had a great conversation with Matt LaFleur talking about what went wrong uh, a year ago against the Saints. We all remember that embarrassing game. and he made a point of addressing that the Packers were just, they just ran out of gas. They were tired. And I remember that. I think you remember that Gil as well. We we were commenting on how these guys just looked exhausted. They were panting, uh, barely getting back to uh, their uh, spot on the field in time to, uh, to run the next play. Our guys, they- especially the defense, just, they were, uh, they were hot. They were out of shape. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur, said he has put these guys through the ringer and has been making them Good. do a ton of running this summer. He said, I've been in the league for six for, for seven years. We've never run this much in camp ever. Well, look, they, they didn't look physically or mentally ready to play in week one last week and it's sh- uh, last year rather. And it showed. And to know that Matt LaFleur is addressing that is very important. As far as the defense goes and the first point you made, Glad they are watching the film and getting things straightened out. Of course, there is a difference this year in that the Vikings have a new coach and therefore a different offense. They're playing more of the Rams style offense, which is similar to what the Packers kind of run in in a lot of ways. So there are adjustments that will have to be made there. But so important in my mind, one of the keys to this game you can't let Justin Jefferson get behind you and make big plays. And it looks like the secondary is dedicating themselves to that as one of the several things that they're looking to improve upon as compared to what happened a year ago in Minnesota. Yeah. We'll see what uh, new head coach Kevin O'Connell can whip up for the Vikings. I will just say maybe if I was looking for a new uh, offensive and defensive mentality to try and beat the Green Bay Packers. I might look to try and hire from a team that consistently beats the Packers as opposed to one that consistently loses to the Packers. The fact that the Vikings are going to be running the uh, Rams offense and defense, while that should be good news for the rest of their season, I'm, doesn't it doesn't scare me a ton for going up against the Packers. And don't forget, Packers are running the Rams offense and defense as well. So when they go up against each other in practice 
uh, all summer long, the Packers offense, the Packers defense. And you're telling me that that is uh, exactly what the Vikings are trying to imitate. I think the Packers offense and defense is saying, oh, nice. So I don't really have to learn anything new when I start preparing for the Vikings. Uh, that's my uh, uh, pennies worth of analysis before we uh, dive into their roster. But I, I will just say my uh, my biggest thing is I am glad that we're catching them in week one here. Mm hmm. Because I think that there's going to be a lot of bumps for the Vikings to overcome and catching them at the beginning of the season, I think is optimistic timing. And we'll have to see how that second game later on in the season goes. That could be a barn burner, but we'll see. Yeah. And it's even better that that first game week one is in Minnesota. You get that matchup over with, and then we get them, you know, when the weather is cold and they're a dome team, we get them in, you know, outdoors in Lambeau. What is it? New Year's day is the, is the second matchup between these two teams. Yeah, I think so. So that's about what it was last year. Yeah. So it, it's going to be, that is definitely advantageous from a Packers perspective and uh, bring it. Cause this is a, a great way to start the season. Now, one thing uh, we're going to, we're going to break down the uh, Vikings roster uh, starting right now. But one of the things that I want to preamble with is, this is largely basically the same roster they had last year and they weren't very good last year, at least not consistently. And I would just say that I think there's pros and cons to this. The pros obviously are you have chemistry with your teammates. You have familiarity and trust with your teammates. That's a, that's a pro. You have more time because you're not learning how to work together. There's, there's, there's more time to focus on, what the new stuff is that you have to learn and, and then continue to master the old stuff. But obviously uh, trying to bring in a whole new scheme and take the players th who were uh, hand selected by Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer for Mike Zimmer's offense and defense, and then try and use all those same pieces in a whole new offense and defense I just I don't automatically assume that that's going to be an improvement because especially when you look at like the offensive line and and the defensive line as well, this roster is built to do a certain kind of football. And now you're asking them to stop doing that kind of football and do something that's similar, but still pretty radically different. So not a lot of new faces <laughs> across the entire roster looking at the offense. Uh, there's kind of only two really new faces, uh, right guard Ed Ingram out of LSU. He's a rookie. He's going to be starting over the, uh, hapless Ali Udo, who was there last year, who is a horrible football player. And then, uh, Irv Smith is back, right. but he wasn't really there last year. So I'm calling that a new addition because they didn't have him last year. So Irv Smith tight end, uh, looked pretty good the last time we saw him, which was 2020 but not like elite, just just pretty good. So if he had been able to play 2021, would he have taken uh, another big step and then this year become like an elite player? That is absolutely possible, but we'll never know. And we got to see, uh, you know, what kind of football player he is today after being out for two years, basically. Yeah. And look, you know, high draft pick, uh, certainly a lot of athletic ability before the 
injury and the potential is there. I know the Vikings are very high on Irv Smith, but again, we're talking about there may be some adjustment time for Irv Smith after missing all of last year and now learning a new offense. Um, Catching them in week one is definitely helpful for this Packers team. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook because this is the biggest thing that the Vikings fans want to talk about. (laughs) Dalvin Cook and his new role in this new offense where he's going to be uh, supposedly lined up a lot in the slot and running routes and catching passes. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that because he had a 51.6 receiving grade last year and five drops on just 34 receptions. 43 targets, 34 receptions, five drops. Not great, uh, especially by running back standards. That's not great. He had 224 receiving yards. Uh, He also had uh, basically the worst year of his career as a running back last year. You know, you could blame the offensive line if you want. You could blame uh, Mike Zimmer and the other coaches if that's what you choose to do. And I think if you're a Vikings fan, that's what you want to do. Right. He also missed four games. Well, I mean, that's nothing new. He misses four yeah. or so games every single year. This is why I never touch Dalvin Cook in fantasy. Everybody always is super excited for, oh, Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in football. I want him on a fantasy team. And I'm going, dude, he misses so much time every year. Right. Good luck trying to make that up while he's gone for four-plus games every year. I never touch him and never will. I just think that the Vikings have run – all of the tread off of his tires. I'm not sure how much he has left because he, he wasn't that great last year. Look, you you go back over his game by games against the Packers. And I did that when, uh, you know, doing my game preview here, he has played two monster games against the Packers, Mm -hmm. but the rest of the time, the Packers have done a very good job of holding him in check. And, Look, I'm not going to deny it's vital for the Packers to not let him have the, you know, 180 combined yards with four touchdowns like he had against the Pack two years ago. Can't let that happen again. But if they can keep him to even under 125 combined yards, I think the Packers will be in very good shape in this game. Really, the the only case you can make for him still being a a premier running back in the league is just the raw numbers. You know, he got a lot of yards. Okay, well, he got 250 carries. Right. They force feed the ball to him. So he gets these cumulative snaps. And then on a per snap uh, basis, per game basis, he's not really that good. Uh, He did have 4.6 yards per carry last year, uh, which is nothing to sneeze at. But he had six touchdowns. Um, his, uh, blocking grade last year, pass blocking grade, which is huge for, uh, the running back, especially since we're supposedly changing this to a little bit more of an air it out offense and asking, uh, cousins to stand back in the pocket and not, uh, lean so much on the play action game. We'll get in that in a minute, but you need a running back who can block for you. And Dalvin cook can't do that. He had, uh, four good games last year, total as a pass blocker. The rest of the year, he was awful. Uh, and then, see, uh, Green Bay, the first game he played against us, he had a 54 pass blocking grade. The second one um, happened to be one of his only good games, and it wasn't even that good. It was a 72.7. So, you know, good, not great. But across the board, uh, you look at the drops. Uh, he had uh, some bad fumbling games last year. 
never been a good receiver, and he was a pretty putrid receiver last year. I don't understand. The the only thing that makes sense to me about trying to uh, turn him into more of a receiver now is just trying to keep him going <laughs> and and not have his tires, uh, his wheels fall off by the end of the season like he's been doing recently. So, uh, But you look over his uh, five years so far in the league, 2021 was by far his worst, and it wasn't close. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. And we all know running backs have short shelf lives in, in this day and age, and the Vikings certainly did make him the focal point of their offense for at least two two years, maybe three. That certainly is going to take its toll on him as far as his, uh, you know, what he's got left in the tank. The the only thing about him as a receiver, he is not a very good downfield receiver, but if you just get him the ball in space, a little flare out, a little screen pass, he he can be dangerous in space. The point is you got to get him the ball there and he's got to actually catch it. But I'm not as worried about him, you know, running 15 yards down the field and doing a square in. It's more of a little screen pass, a little flare into the flat, and then, you know, he gets the ball in space and goes from there. Kirk Cousins is being asked to um, run a little bit of a different offense here and uh, making this a less run heavy offense is going to hurt the play action game a bit. And that is where Kirk Cousins excels when he is operating off of play action. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. He's uh, considerably below average when he's not running play action. I think this is asking him to, lean into the stuff he doesn't do well and take away the stuff he does do well. Uh, you know, you're, you're certainly you like the receivers you have out there. Thielen, uh, who is getting older, but uh, Justin Jefferson, I think uh, KJ Osborne has looked pretty good the uh, last year as well in the limited sample size that we saw him. They also brought in Jalen Rager. We'll see what, if anything he can do. He certainly couldn't do anything in Philadelphia, <laughs> but the guy throwing the ball, is really, 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 really good in certain situations. And you're asking him to cut down the amount of time that he's in those situations. And I don't like that at all. Well, no, not if I'm a Vikings fan, certainly. And and the other big difference, and it becomes a key to this game, you know, you give a clean pocket to, uh, to him and he is very, very good. He statistically mm. ranks near the top of the league. But at the same time, if Kirk Cousins doesn't have time to throw, if he's under pressure, he averaged last year, I believe it's only 5.1 yards per attempt, which was very low in the league, a full yard per attempt below the league average. And, you know, at age 34, he's not going to get any quicker at releasing the ball. Uh, So to me, getting pressure on Kirk Cousins becomes a huge part of this game for the Packers defense. All right. That's a fantastic point. If you look at the offensive line for the Vikings, uh, Christian Darasaw is a fantastic run blocker. Ezra Cleveland, their uh, left guard, fantastic run blocker. Uh, Chris Reed, who spent some time last year uh, as a guard, he had over 500 snaps, but he's not expected to be a uh, starter this year. 
good run blocker. Garrett Bradbury, good run blocker. Brian O'Neill, their right tackle, good run blocker. Even Aliudo was average as a run blocker. Uh, pass blocking, though, not good. Uh, the only offensive lineman who had a, a good run blocking grade was Brian O'Neill. Uh, the the next highest graded run blocker on the offensive line was Christian Derisaw, who only graded out as average. You mean pass That's, blocker? Oh, yeah, pass blocker. Sorry. Yeah, we're talking about pass blocking now. Yeah. All right, Christian Derisaw, average pass blocker. But you look at Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, uh, Brian O'Neill, bad pass blockers. Or not Brian O'Neill, um, uh, Ed Ingram. Uh, in college, bad pass blocker. This is going to be a problem, especially when you're going up against a Packers defensive line that can hurt you kind of from anywhere. You got edge rushers that you like. You got a, a, uh, hopefully suffocating interior defensive line. Who's going to be picking on a, uh, uh, interior trio here in Cleveland, Ingram and Bradbury, who have never been good at pass blocking. I would be very concerned if I'm the offensive line coach for the Vikings. And, you know, you'd like to have Irv Smith out there running rounds, but if he has to stay in and help chip at these run blockers, uh, sorry, uh, chip at these uh, uh, pass rushers is what I'm trying to say. Man, my words are, you know, you're the one who has uh, COVID brain. And I'm the one who can't talk, so this isn't looking good. Irv Smith, uh, fortunately, is a um, okay blocker. He's not great. He's much more of a receiving tight end. Uh, but, you know, if you look at uh, his 2020 season, his pass blocking was okay in five games. <laughs> Across the rest of the season, right. it was uh, a 23, 37, 44, 22, and 9.2 in a single-digit pass blocking grade. Yeah, that's frightening. His overall season grade as a pass blocker, 29.2. Two, so if you're hoping he's going to come in and help out there, I don't know, man. And and it's worth uh, worth recognizing none of his good games came against the Packers. Well, that's also a nice little bonus. Look, he is that's not his strong point, and in coming off an injury and a little bit of rust, it'll probably even less of a strong point initially right now for Week One, but. I, if I'm Rashawn Gary and I'm Preston Smith and I'm Kenny Clark, uh, I, I am really looking forward to this game because I think the opportunities to get to the quarterback and to sack the quarterback will be there. Yeah, uh, you're going to flip over and look at the defense because I think this is maybe where the biggest um, growth can happen for the Vikings. I mean, you look at Last year, they did have a pretty good offense. That really wasn't the problem. It was the defense. It was so it was dreadful. Uh, it really was. If you look at who's new this year, as far as starters go, it's Zadarius Smith and Chandon Sullivan. That's about it. Everybody else who is here this year. Oh, and Harrison Phillips. Those three guys. Right. Everybody else who uh, is here this year was here last year. So you got Patrick Peterson. A lot of Vikings fans were hoping that rookie Andrew Booth was going to beat out Patrick Peterson for the starting job. I was hoping Peterson would win because I think Peterson stinks. And I didn't want to see that Andrew Booth um, was panning out and, and taking the job away from Peterson. So you're going to have Patrick Pe- Pat Peterson out there opposite Cam Dantzler, who is a good corner. And then uh, your slot corner, Chandon Sullivan. I've heard of him. 
And look, we like Shannon Sullivan. We do, but he did not have a good year last year. Uh, his run defense grade was a 34. Um, and his uh, coverage grade is a 57.8. He allowed 47 receptions on 68 targets. Uh, the only thing that he really did well was he had interceptions, but those, of course, are uh, pretty fleeting. If you look at the season um, as a whole, he allowed 69% completion, um, 589 yards, and gave up three touchdowns. Not that great. Uh, the, the, the Packers were happy to move on from him. Seeing him on the opposite side, you know, stings because you like him as a person, but it doesn't scare you. Yeah, no, he's not somebody who I'm overly concerned with. I like Chandon Sullivan, liked him since he came to Green Bay, but he never really matched the production he had that first year as the Dimeback. He he sort of fell off the year after that and then maybe was a little better last year, but not outstanding. Um, I think the Packers will be just fine without him, and he is somebody who... I could certainly see, uh, uh, you know, maybe a uh, Romeo Dubs or a Christian Watson as the third or fourth receiving option on a given play taking advantage of, or a veteran like Randall Cobb in the slot sort of, uh, you know, taking advantage of his former teammate and schooling him a little bit. So Lewis seen as the other uh, rookie that folks were wondering if they were going to make, um, you know, immediate impact. Looks like Cam Bynum did win the starting job over Lewis Seen. Cam Bynum played pretty well for them last year. Uh, I, I commend this decision. Uh, your safeties look fine. Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum. And then you got uh, rookie Lewis Seen, who I was really high on in the draft, backing them up. I think that's a good spot to be in. But Minnesota always has good safeties. So, you know, uh, to me, this is kind of at best. It's a lateral move from where you've been in the past. Uh, linebackers, still not a very good situation. Anthony Barr is finally gone. Eric Kendricks is back, uh, had himself a poor year last year. He's playing opposite Jordan Hicks, who came in and did not much for the Vikings last year. So, you, you know, you're, you're looking at a rebuilt DB room that I think is finally um back up to passable quality all right good good quality cam dantzler uh cam byanum harrison smith lewis seen i think uh, patrick peterson is a little bit of a liability but he's your cornerback to shannon sullivan not the best slot in the world but certainly uh good enough to get the job done so so linebackers the big question is this defensive line last year you had sheldon richardson and you had Michael Pierce, and those two guys are gone. They're replaced by just Harrison Phillips, who I would say prior, if, if you're comparing um, Sheldon and Pierce prior to going to Minnesota and comparing them to Harrison Phillips prior to going to Minnesota, uh, I, I think I would take either of those guys over Harrison Phillips. But, you know, maybe he just happens to have the right skill set to uh, go along with this new look. Uh, defense overall I I have some pretty big concerns if I'm a Vikings fan about this defensive line you got DJ Wonham uh, and Harrison Phillips trying to hold things down you do have Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter who have been good in the past 
Neither one really played last year. Neither one was very good when they did play last year. Uh, it's been a couple of years since we've seen either one of them. And it's been uh, really three years since either one of them was actually really elite. Uh, Zadarius's big year was in 2019. That was the same big year that Daniil Hunter had. They both kind of fell off uh, in, well, Daniil didn't even play in 2020. And then he barely played in 2021. Zadarius, I would say, fell off pretty substantially from 19 to 20. And then, of course, didn't play in 2021. So you kind of maybe don't exactly know what you have in those guys. Uh, Zadarius looked good for the uh, one game we did see him in at the end of last year. Um, and when I say he looked good, I just mean he had a sack. The rest of the game, he <clears> didn't play very well. Uh, but he did have a sack right off the bat. Uh, he is a guy who really feeds off of energy. And if, you know, if he's going to get himself really psyched up about how much he hates the Packers <laughs> before the game. Yeah. I think that juice can carry him. Uh, but also he's a guy who can get down really easily as well. If the energy isn't there. So maybe you have a slow first half. I'm not sure that he can psych himself back up for the second half of the game. So overall, I just think that the defensive line is a little bit of a question mark. I think it's a uh, it's it's a little bit of a mystery box, and it could be really good, or it could really underwhelm. It could, and you know they're also changing their system on defense. They're going now to a three four, which is a little different than what they ran in the past. Last year, running a four three, so certainly this is a different style of defense than what we've seen from the Vikings in recent years. And, you know, can Daniil Hunter make that adjustment from being, you know, a defensive end in a 4-3 to make, being an edge rusher in a 3-4? That's a, a little bit different job description as far as the way that you're asked to go after the quarterback and, and some of the other responsibilities you have. Will, again, facing them early in the season benefit the Packers even more because that adjustment is still in, in transition rather than they're already used to it and ready to go? Um, you know, the, but the one guy that I forgot to mention, by the way, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, supposed yeah. to be their, their starting nose tackle. I just want to address <laughs> for anybody who out there who's going, okay, what do, why aren't you guys talking about Dalvin? Dalvin is a good player. Um, he is just forgot to mention it, but, but I think that you're really onto something there with trying to turn Daniel from a, uh, you know, standard, uh, four, three defensive end, uh, four point guy or three point guy, turn him into a stand up outside rusher. That's a lot to ask of a guy, especially a guy at his age who hasn't really played substantial football since, uh, what? 2019. Yeah, it, it is a big adjustment. It's a lot to ask of a veteran player. Uh, and, you know, again, catching them early definitely benefits the Packers. But, of course, the flip side of that in this game is we still don't know the status of the two potential starting offensive tackles. Do we get Elton Jenkins in this game? Do we get David Bakhtiari in this game? Uh, if we don't get both of them, that certainly puts the offensive line in a big state of flux. If we don't get one of them, I think the Packers offensive line will be just fine. But uh, that is going to be a key matchup because giving Aaron Rodgers enough time to throw is huge for the Packers and anyone. We just discussed the playoff loss last week. We know how important it is to make sure that Aaron Rodgers has enough time to throw the football. 
Well, let's do this. Let's let's look at the uh, injury report. So David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins both listed as limited in practice. David Bakhtiari's injury is his knee. Elton Jenkins is knee and a peck. So um, you got to pair that with a couple of quotes. Elton Jenkins speaking on Wednesday, talking to Tom Silverstein. He says, I want to play but I think it takes time following day. Matt LaFleur was talking about both tackles and he said, the hope is they can go out there today and practice. And we're recording right now. We don't know uh, what the result of this is, but the practice is they, the hope is that they can go back out there today and do some more, some more team. So if you had to guess right now, David Boxiari, will he play? <sighs> I am going to say, that Bakhtiari will play. I also say Bakhtiari will play. Elton Jenkins, will he play? I think he will not play. All right, we're in agreement. I think Elton Jenkins will not play. So you're probably looking at Bakhtiari at left tackle, and I would guess Yash Nyman at right tackle. Um, Now, the one thing, Yash Nyman, so he is a full participant in practice, but he is on the injury report with a uh, hurt knee. So, you know, there is maybe a little bit of something that, Okay, maybe that could flare up last minute, but I think Yash Diamond probably gets to start at right tackle. I'm comfortable with that. He's been taking a lot of reps at right tackle throughout the preseason. Uh, Clearly, the hope was that you would get Bakhtiari or Jenkins back at left tackle and be able to stick Yash over at right. So I feel good about that. Um, And I, I think, let me just look at this injury report. Okay, I think Royce Newman gets the start at right guard. What say you? I think Newman is the favorite to start there uh, mainly, but you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Zach Tom takes over that starting position by midseason. Uh, I think they tr- will certainly like to work him into the offensive line. My my big question, and, and I agree that probably right guard is the spot that's open that he could take. I just think that, there's three or four spots where he'd be better on the offensive line than Mm -hmm. at right guard. Um, So I I don't love that for him, but also, you know, I mean, do I want an injury to happen to one of our other guys so that he has an opportunity? No. So um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of us would like to see Zach Tom work his way into the starting lineup. Uh, So I guess that's our, that's your five. Uh, You got uh, everybody basically set in stone because we know Runyon and Myers are your left guard and your center. I feel pretty good about that offensive line. Um, maybe the uh, right tackle is your concern. So yeah, you're probably looking at Daniil Hunter lined up over, um, over uh, uh, Yash. Yash Nyman. And then in that case, you know, do you put, you know, are, are the Vikings going to utilize Zedarius as that Rover and let him go stand over Royce Newman or uh, double up on Yash. You know, maybe you do something like that. I think I would certainly do that, but uh, I am, you know, not a defensive coordinator. And then I think you counter with putting big dog over there uh, to help block and possibly to run some outlet passes, but, uh, and you have at least one of your two running backs if they are both out on the field at the same mm-hmm. time, chipping uh, as well or helping out in pass pro if necessary. So uh, it becomes a chess match. All right, here's another guy we got to talk about. Robert Tunyon. 
limited in practice, still nursing a knee injury. Do we think he's going to play this week? I, I think he is, but I don't think he's going to play like 70% of the snaps. I think we'll see him in a limited role. Yeah, that, that would make sense to me. Um, Oh, here we go. We got an update from Ryan Wood. Uh, he says, for a second straight day, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Robert Tunyon practice. Doesn't mean they will play in Sunday's opener at Minnesota, but it's a good sign they're doing well. Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of his tweet yet because that's a whole new topic. <laughs> Tunyon, is he going to play? I think he's going to be a game-time decision for sure. That's I think that's about where he's at. I think they're going to rule out Elton ahead of time is my guess, but... You know what? With the offensive line, it seems like that's always the spot where they surprise me. Uh, there's a guy who I think won't play, and then uh, you know it just turns out that they've been overly cautious with him all week in practice, and then they end up rolling him out on game day. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I, if I had to put money down, I'd say your starting tackles are Bakhtiari and Nyman. I, I think that's probably the way I, that it's going to go as well. So let's look at uh, the final thing for our game preview, and that is the wide receiver room. So Alan Lazard is not practicing. LaFleur said that somebody stepped on his foot. To me, I'm wondering, does he have a broken foot? Does he have, you know, what what kind of foot injury or, you know, twisted ankle? What I mean, on, on the actual injury report, he's listed with an ankle right. injury. Uh, he's the only DNP on the entire injury report. And by the way, if you're wondering why we're not going over the Vikings injury report, <laughs> there's, there's nobody on it. Uh, Jonathan Bullard, a backup defensive tackle with a hurt bicep, was limited in practice. That's it. But for the for the Packers, long injury list. Al Nazard listed with an ankle. I mean, did he twist his ankle? What kind of injury to your foot or ankle is going to hold you out of practice all week but then let you play on Sunday? I just don't expect we're going to see him. I don't think so either. I, I think Lazard is going to miss game one, and I think we're going to see an awful lot of Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins. And then and I'll say Romeo Dobbs as well. I, and then, right. And then Romeo Dobbs, and to a lesser extent, Christian Watson will be filling in some of those uh, snaps that, that would have otherwise gone to Lazard. That'll be really interesting to see how much they do work Watson in. I think I'm going to make a soft prediction here that Watson barely features in the offense at all for week one. That's, that's kind of my soft position. I think, I think uh, Dobbs is going to be one of your three uh, main receivers who's out there. Yep. Um, If they run three receiver sets, I'm going to say Watson has fewer than 10 snaps in this game. That's my guess. But I do think he makes his first NFL catch. I do not. I think, I think he'll be on the field. I don't think he'll be targeted. That's, Okay. That's just that's just my guess. We'll come back uh next week and see how that aged. Um I I just think I just think uh he's missed so much time in the preseason that for a guy who already had a lot of developing to do, I think he missed too much time in the preseason to be ready to go out in week 1 and contribute. Uh, I think that he's going to need a little bit of time to uh keep learning stuff. Just, that could just be. I, I think he has like one catch for 12 yards and Packers Twitter explodes demanding that he gets <laughs> a lot more time. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. Well, uh, I, I think uh, Packers Twitter is going to be amazed at how much Sammy Watkins is featured, because let me tell you, this fan base has completely written the guy off. I think 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know who to compare him to. I think that the, the fan base kind of views him as like what Malik Taylor has been for the Packers the last few years where it's like, Oh yeah. And he's on the roster. I mean, talking to people, they like can't wait for him to get hurt so they can quit thinking about him. And I, I don't, I don't get it. I think he's going to be one of your, probably one of your main receivers for the course of the year, as long especially as early, healthy. especially early, especially early. I mean, it, you know, I, man, there is a strong case to be made, especially when you look at Sammy Watkins history, strong case to be made for playing him in fantasy for week one. Uh, he might, especially if you're playing in PPR, man, he might get more of the ball than just about anybody else on the offense. And obviously we can't forget Randall Cobb. I think he's going to be right up there, uh, you know, number one or two in terms of targets on the day would be my guess. Uh, But uh, everybody's going to be excitedly looking for Romeo Dobbs, uh, waiting to see what he can do. I have high hopes for him, Uh, high expectations, maybe. Higher hopes, uh, but still decently high expectations. So we'll see what he can do. What's your score prediction, Gil? Who wins this game? I have Packers 23, Vikings 20. All right. I'm going to go. I'm really close. I'm going to go a little bit. I'm going to go 24-21, Packers win it. So the same spread. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. Uh, and we, uh, we're going to do like we did last year. We're going to keep track all year of... Um, score predictions and and who's closer, but we did realize we had to figure out a new way to calculate it because we kind of realized late in the season that our math was a little bit flawed because somebody could pick the wrong winner of the game and still um, make up ground on the guy who had the right winner of the game as long as he got closer on the score. So we got to, we'll spend our, our week brainstorming exactly what the penalty should be for uh, getting the winner wrong. And Gil, overall, do you think that we're going to be closer this year than we were on our week one prediction uh, for the Saints game? Because that is as easily the worst uh, we have ever done since we started this podcast of preparing you guys for a game. Was that Saints game? That was wild. Uh, no, I mean, nobody was expecting that. No, we were but not alone. Know, I mean, Matt LaFleur would say the same thing about his performance because the team was terrible. We borderline had like the reverse score prediction that we yeah. thought the, the Packers were going to blow the Saints out of the water. So, all righty, uh, that's going to be it for today. We'll come back next week and we're going to talk about the Bears and hopefully we'll be celebrating uh, a 1-0 record and uh, hopefully a, a muted, silenced Zedarius Smith will be, uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll call in and share his thoughts on the game uh, on our show. We'll see. But that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy. You stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to BackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com